Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. How many of you guys could use some good news? How many know that in this season of church life, in this season of American life, we're overdue for some good news? There's all kinds of news, but very few of it is actually good. I'm amazed that when I look at my news stream, I get, I guess it's Apple News, it's on my phone, and, and you can pick and choose which news services you, you choose on your phone, I guess, in that service. And so I try to keep a little bit of this, a little bit of that, kind of mix it up a little bit. But even when I look at it, all I hear is negative news, no matter what side it's coming from. Isn't it funny that we got to pick sides for our news these days? But no matter what we get, none of it's good. So I'm like, well, let me look at some local news because we live in like the best city in the world. This got to be local news is like, boom, negative, negative, negative. We're just inundated with bad news so that when you actually get some kind of a good news, it's, it's like an outlier, something that you, whoa, what? I'm trying to find where it gets negative here. You might know what I'm talking about. We could use some good news. You know, when I think about the Christmas story, that these kids so beautifully read, kids, young people so beautifully, they're not kids anymore. <laughs> I remember when they were all born, and I'm looking at them going, they're almost as tall as I am now. But the story they so beautifully read, we, we know that Christmas story of Jesus' birth looking back. But if you were to put yourself in the very time when Jesus actually came to this earth, you'd realize that they could have used some good news too. Mary needed some good news. Life was hard. For an Israelite, a 16-year-old unwed girl, life was hard. It was a hard living. Now you're pregnant? That's a little bit difficult. That's, that means life doesn't get easier when you get pregnant. It gets better, but it doesn't get easier. Life was hard. Mary needed some good news. The nation of Israel needed some good news. They had had all these promises of what God was going to do. This plan of redemption for not just the individual, but for the whole nation. But their current existence was certainly not good news. They were living under Roman rule. They got conquered. They lost. Not only did they lose, but now they're being oppressed by the very people who conquered them. And these people that conquered them and are oppressing them militarily, oppressing them politically, oppressing them economically, are telling them, we're doing this for your own good. This is for your security. This is for your freedom. Rome provides protection for you. And reality was, it was just oppression. They were in slavery. They needed some good news. And when I look at 2020, we could use some good news too. We could really, right in this season, use some good news. Mary got that good news because when the angel visited her, Gabriel, how I would love to be Gabriel. Gabriel gets all the good jobs. He gets to show up and tell people all the good things that God's about to do. I'd love to be the deliverer of good news. Gabriel shows up to her and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Hey, I know life's hard, but this is the good news. I haven't come to tell you more bad stuff. 
The Lord is with you. I can't think of better news at any stage in my life than to hear from heaven, the Lord is with you. Yeah, 2020 has been tough, but the Lord is with you. He's with you. He's Emmanuel, God with us. In Psalm 23, it says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. But do you know what it says? Why we will fear, fear no evil? Because you are with me. Mary got good news. Mary, the Lord is with you. She only came to find out pretty soon what exactly that meant. Israel needed good news. And so what does God choose to do? He chose to show Himself to the lowliest job and vocation that they could find in Israel, that of a shepherd. A shepherd was not a coveted position. I think probably the modern-day equivalent of the shepherd is probably the guys that stand out on the sidewalk holding the seasonal signs that spin them and do all the dancing either at tax season or in Christmas season. It's not a job that you necessarily want until my sons found out that that job pays $16 an hour. So if you happen to be in the hilltop area of Virginia Beach on Monday and see a 15-year-old six-foot boy spinning a sign, just give him a quick honk because he's making 16 bucks an hour and he's very grateful to have that job. He's looking at me saying, Dad, you don't pay me 16 bucks an hour. Can I have this job? And I thought, if you can take the cold, you can have the job. (laughs) But God shows up to some shepherds. Man, when you're on the backside of a desert looking after some stinky sheep and it's cold, you could do for some good news. And God shows up and says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. I'm going to bring you good news that's going to break forth in joy for the whole nation. This is good news for you, shepherds. You have the lowliest job in a nation that's being oppressed by another nation, but I'm bringing you good news that's about to burst forth in joy from you that's going to affect the whole nation. Joy. Joy. I'm not here to just fix all the stuff and hope that because if all the circumstances are fixed, if all of the political situation is resolved, if the economic situation is resolved, then you'll feel better about yourself. And he says, no, you, shepherd, the lowest of the low in a nation that's being oppressed, I'm about to birth forth joy in you. And the joy that comes in you will change the nation. You don't have to wait for the nation to change to experience joy. I'm about to deposit it right in you. And there's joy that's going to come for the nation. 2020, we could use some good news. It's the same story. We don't have to wait for everything else to get fixed before in here gets okay. Because God wants to put the same deposit in you that He put inside a 16-year-old little girl 2,020 years ago. He wants to put Jesus in your hearts to take up residence that His Spirit would so infect you. Maybe that's not a good word. Affect you. 
But it works the same way. You know, just a few months ago, somebody ate a bat. And now we're living in a world that's completely changed. My daughter showed me the 2020 quarter. There's a bat on the 2020 quarter. Did you know that? Isn't that weird? But one person, one person apparently catches something, and within a matter of a few weeks, it spreads across the whole world, and everyone's affected by it. Can you see that this is the enemy's counterfeit for what the Spirit of God is meant to do? What if one man caught something and got a deposit put inside of him that within a matter of weeks, it spreads across the whole nation and the whole world is affected and changed? What if instead of disease, it's freedom that comes? What if instead of guilt and shame, it's righteousness that comes that exalts a nation? Righteousness exalts a nation. We need some good news. We're overdue. Here's the good news for us. For our church specifically, we got a word in January of 2020 before any of this stuff happened that this is going to be a year of joy-filled breakthrough. We all celebrated joy-filled breakthrough. What a gr- Who doesn't want that? You don't want to hear this is going to be a year of famine. This is going to be a year of disease. Joy-filled breakthrough. And we threw up our hands and said, thank you, Jesus. Let heaven come. Let not my will be done, but your will be done. Joy-filled breakthrough. Never in the world, never in a million years did we imagine what we were going to have to break through. But can I tell you, as we sit here in December of 2020, that has been the story of our church, individually and corporately, of breaking through. But burst forth into joy, oh my soul. It hasn't been a breaking through through hard work and, oh, I hope I make it to Christmas. Yes, we've had some difficult times. Yes, we've lost some people who are now in heaven. Yes, we've been through marriage challenges with people. We've been through financial challenges and business challenges. But there has been breakthrough. Joy is what's coming out because joy is what got deposited inside. The moment that our people surrendered their heart to Him, the moment they opened it up and said, God, I'm not just going to try to figure this out on my own, but I give every part of my heart to You. I fully surrender my heart to You. Joy is what came out. Because what came in is His Spirit. And where God's Spirit rests, only joy can come out. Only love. Only peace. Only patience. Only kindness. Faithfulness. Goodness. Self-control. It's the only thing that can come out. Because if I go in your backyard and I plant an apple tree, I'm not going to get oranges. Because apple trees bear apples. God's Spirit bears fruit. And that's been a year for us. And I'm here to share with you good news. The good news doesn't mean they didn't face challenges. Thank you. But there's good news for us. God will be found in the midst of calamity. Isaiah chapter 9. That's actually the scripture that I want to focus on this morning. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This is one of those prophetic verses about the Messiah. He says, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, 
And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Do you want some good news this morning? The government is on his shoulders. His. Not yours. Not the Electoral College. Not the Supreme Court. It's on his shoulders. What does that mean? It, when you have something on your shoulders, it means that you now have taken on the responsibility to rule and to reign. Jesus said, I got this. When he was born, him and the establishment of his government, and it being on his shoulders means I will carry the weight. I will take on the responsibility of ruling and reigning on the earth. And I'm establishing a new kingdom. And the way the kingdom works is the kingdom exists wherever the king reigns. So when Jesus establishes his government and the government is on his shoulders, then if you want to be part of this new kingdom, all you have to do is let him rule and reign here. Because his kingdom is established first in our hearts. And so the way that we become a part of this kingdom is to give him rule and reign over our hearts. So when has the kingdom come to me? It didn't come to me because I watched it. It didn't come to me because I got conquered. It came to me because I surrendered. And I made him my king. Then the kingdom has come to me. Jesus said, I got this. I went, I went mountain biking the other day with Norm and another person who uh, will remain Brent Montella. And so we were on this mountain bike trip. It was like Ipswich. It's over in Green in Indian River area. And I'm learning how to mountain bike. I have no mountain bike skills whatsoever, but I'm learning. But I'm cautious because I'm not quite 50, but getting close. And so my 15-year-old flies over everything like I won't possibly get hurt. I fly over things like I know how much that hurts and how long it takes for me to heal if I don't, if I don't quite make it. And so I'm a little more cautious Brent, however, is not, he throws caution to the wind. It's one of the reasons I love him so much. And so we were going down this path, and I was in the lead, and he was behind me, and there was this little skinny rail that kind of went like this, and then like this, and then like this, just, just a little bit wider than a tire. It was only about this high. But I remember, you know, Brent does no mountain bike skills either. He's probably better than I am, but I remember going past this, and I just yelled behind me, hey, stay off the rail, go on the path. And you know what I heard? I got this. That's what I heard. I got this. To which I had the thought, stopped my bike, turned around, and saw. Just because you said you got this doesn't mean you can actually bear the responsibility and the weight of these things. So us being us, I made him recreate the scene because he tried to get back up and act like it didn't happen. I was like, no, go back. I want to get a photo. Go back. I want to get a photo. I didn't post the photo, but I did send it to your wife. And, uh, but I love that. I love that thought. I got this. But sometimes we have that mentality, I got this, right? And, and, and we see what happens in our world, and we try to tell Jesus, hey, Jesus, I got this. Specifically, if you post something on Facebook, and you get some negative comments, and the Holy Spirit's going, ignore it, forgive it. And you're like, I got this. 
this one I can handle, right? And then the Holy Spirit goes, oh, okay. That's when it gets dangerous. And then you type something out and delete it seven times. I found often the best thing to do is not just type it out, but to go, honey, what do you think about this? And she goes, you need to delete your Facebook. That's what I think you need to do about this. But somehow we often get this idea, hey, God, I got this. Yeah, the, the political world's a bit crazy right now, but God, I got this. Hey, God, you know what? There, there's all these, these, these ideas and things, and we feel like we're not living in a place where freedom is the same as it was before. God, I got this. I can handle this. And he goes, no, 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 the government's on my shoulders. Mine. Why do you keep trying to bear a burden that I'm voluntarily saying that I'll carry for you? The government is on his shoulders. you got to understand the world that Jesus entered. Do you know why they were in Bethlehem to begin with? Because the then global superpower of the day told everybody, you need to be registered so we know where you are. You need to go back and sign up and pay up. Because Rome wanted to collect their taxes for their protection and for their safety and for their benefit, right? Sign up and pay up. That's the world that Jesus came to. That's why they were there to begin with. A world where the only way to have any kind of normal is to shut up and do what you're told just like everybody else is doing. A world where the rich got richer at the expense of the poor while telling them that they're doing it for their own good. That you doing this Paying your taxes is for freedom and justice and peace. They had to finance their own oppression. Imagine that. Not only are you going to be oppressed, you're going to pay for it. You're going to pay that soldier's wage to oppress you. A place in Israel where there are literally layer upon layer upon layer of earthly kingdoms just like the one that they were being oppressed by. If you go through some of the excavation sites in Israel, the way that you find earlier civilizations is you just keep digging a little deeper. So the, 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 the deeper you dig, the older it gets. Do you know why? It's because you have all these earthly kingdoms that come in and they're the na- next greatest way to provide security and peace and blessing and then it just gets wiped away and another one just gets built right on top of it. So as Jesus arrives on the scene, the people that he's come to save and rescue are standing on multiple earthly kingdoms. And now they're just being oppressed by the next latest, greatest one. So imagine what it's like when you get news that there's a new king in town. There's a new kingdom coming. Do you think at some point you'd be like, we've seen this before. It's an election every four years. We've been through this before. How long will we stop looking to a Tuesday in November to establish a kingdom? That's not the kingdom he came to establish. How long will we keep looking to see how much that stimulus check is going to be before we decide that the government is on his shoulders? Multiple kingdoms 
Rome was just the latest, greatest iteration of man's political solution to change the world. And every one of these kingdoms began as a promise of freedom, but became a world of impression and injustice. It was time for a new kind of king. And it was time for a new kind of kingdom. Israel had heard that there was a Messiah who was going to take away the sins of the world. They had been told this since they were little kids. They came to expect it every year. Is he come again? Has he come this time? They looked for the prophet Elijah, who they knew was going to be the precursor of the Messiah who was coming. They were looking in anticipation. But at some point, I promise you, that instead of looking in anticipation, it just became the thing that you did this time of year. Is Elijah here? No? Okay, we'll just keep an empty seat at the table and we'll go on and eat our dinner. And at some point, you end up going through the motions because hope deferred makes the heart sick. And how long will we hope and not see the fruit of what we've been hoping for? How long will we read about this promise but live in oppressed society? How long will we wait? And so when Jesus arrives on the scene, there might have been some that still had a hopeful expectation, but I'm sure that many of them had long since given up any kind of hope and were now just going through the religious motions of expecting the Messiah. And what they had expected, the ones who were still living in expectation, Jesus did not quite fit the bill when he shows up on the scene. I want the white horse. I want the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I want to see, like, stomp on the neck of the oppressor and hold the emperor down and, come on, we're taking back this town. And instead they get the child of an unwed mother, a teenager, in a feeding trough. That's what a manger is, it's a feeding trough. In a barn with a bunch of shepherds around. Where's the king? Where's the kingdom? All I see is the most fragile, disadvantaged, possible human that I could ever find. This doesn't look like a king, and this does not look like a kingdom. But it was time for a different world. It was time for a different king, and it was time for a different kingdom. And of his kingdom, and of his government, there would be no end. His kingdom was not going to become just another layer of dirt that get, gets built on top of until the next one comes around. Of his kingdom and of his government, there will be no end. It was time for a different kingdom. So to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Given. Why a child? Why a son? A child indicates the, the humanness of Jesus, that God incarnate, God made Himself like us. He, he took on the form of a human, took on the form of a servant. He was a child, but He was a son. And He was given to us. For God's people, this was not the coming of a new administration. It's not for us either. It's the coming of a new kingdom. The world creates wars. This king stops wars. The world creates debt. This king forgives debt. Forgives debt. 
The world deprives life and liberty, and this king gives life to the full and sets every captive free. Every single one. The world's kingdoms come and go, but this kingdom will last forever. I love that scripture, that scripture, that song. It's kind of from scripture. That was, by the way, what song is that? Oh, Holy Night? Is that the song? Well done, Aaron and Rummy. That's literally the hardest song ever to sing, other than like the Star Spangled Banner. That was amazing. You guys did a great job. I didn't pick the songs, nor did I pick, somebody had Paul, somebody had a, found, a prophetic word about foundations. <laughs> they didn't know what I was talking about, but that's the word that God put on my heart. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. That's the, that's the lyrics to that song. Where the world is just laying. I know that I've screwed up. I know that every other kingdom can't do for us. But I don't know any other kingdom. It's all I've ever known is man's solution to our sin problem. And we can't fix this. The best of the best of the best the world has to offer can't fix our sin problem. So we're laying here hopeless. But then God appears and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope. Man, our weary world rejoices. This is what God has us in right now. Yes, we're weary. Our world is weary. But there's a joy-filled breakthrough that's coming. The world will rejoice too. It's not yet. It's pining. But we are not. Because we're not of this world. We're of a different kingdom. Our king is not the kings of this world. Our king is Jesus. And we have hope. We have joy. And the world will rejoice too. They will rejoice when we break through the things that have been holding us back. And the joy that's in us spills out to the world around us. Let's have a look at Isaiah chapter 9. You, I want to read the whole chapter. Can we do that? We've got time. Thank Jesus, we've got time. Isaiah chapter 9. Because I read that one part. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. But I want you to read the whole chapter. Isaiah chapter 9. No more gloom for those who are in distress. Oh, that's a good word. This is a prophecy to Israel. By the way, right when they were about to get taken over by the next earthly kingdom, Assyria. They were about to be taken captive and overtaken. By the way, Assyria is just another pile of dirt that when Jesus arrives on the scene that Israelites were standing on top of because that kingdom as well fell. But this prophecy was given at a very bad time for Israel. But the prophecy is no more gloom. Come on, no more gloom. No more gloom for those who are in distress. Although the Lord greatly humbled the regions of Zebulon and Naphtali, He will one day bestow upon them great honor from the Mediterranean eastward to the other side of the Jordan and throughout the Galilee of the Gentiles. Those who walked in darkness have seen a radiant light shining upon them. They once lived in the shadows of death, but now a glorious light has dawned. Lord, you have multiplied the nation and given them overwhelming joy. This is in the Passion Translation if you're trying to figure out how I'm reading this. They are ecstatic in your presence. And rejoice like those who bring in a great harvest and those who divide up the spoils of victory. 
For you have broken the chains that have bound your people and lifted off the heavy bar across their shoulders. The rod the oppressor used against them, you have shattered all their bondage, just as you did when Midian's armies were defeated. Every boot of marching troops and every uniform caked with blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Come on. He broke the chains. He lifted off the heavy bar and he put it on his shoulders. A child has been born to us. A son has been given to us. The responsibility of complete dominion will rest on his shoulders and his name will be the Wonderful One. The extraordinary strategist, the mighty God, the Father of eternity, and the Prince of Peace. Great and vast is his dominion. He will bring immeasurable peace and prosperity. He will rule on David's throne and over David's kingdom to establish and uphold it by promoting justice and righteousness from the time forward and evermore. The marvelous passion that the Lord Yahweh, commander of angel armies, has for his people will ensure that it is finished. That is good news. We're living in that right now. This is not something we're hoping for on the second coming of Christ. This is something that we have right now. Heaven is here now. The goal of us as believers is not to get people to heaven. It's to get heaven into people. Jesus prayed, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want heaven now. More of heaven now. When His kingdom has come here, when I surrender my heart to Him, I have heaven in here right now. It gets better. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So there is more to come. But I don't have to wait till I die or Jesus comes back to experience the fullness of His love and His grace and His mercy and His power. Joy-filled breakthrough means we have heaven now. Not as a, a let's pull out of the world and come over here and have a bit of heaven to us. That's not God's intention. Because His kingdom is on the move. It's on the move. It's not meant to be like a, a fortress where we come out of the world and come in here, we'll keep you safe. It's Jesus coming here and I'll keep you safe. I thank God that I can go into some of the most dangerous places I remember I had a friend of mine. He was a SEAL, Navy SEAL. And I remember praying with him once on one of his Afghanistan deployments in the, in the thick of the war. And I'm praying for his protection. Dave, I think Dave might have been with me. I'm praying for this guy's protection. Lord, bless him, keep him, protect him. He looks at me straight in the eyes. He goes... I don't mean this to sound arrogant because it's not. But every one of my teammates is going to be okay if they're with me. And it's not because of my skill as an operator. It's because I carry the presence of God with me. He knew that he had surrendered his own heart to God. And because of that, 
almighty fortress is our God. That wherever I go, I bring heaven with me. Heaven with me. And a whole lot of fierce combat too. Do you understand that when you surrender your heart to him, it's not just about keeping you safe. In fact, it's about making you pretty darn dangerous. But it makes everybody else around you just that little bit safer. He's the God of angel armies. The Lord Yahweh, the commander of angel armies. I was praying for somebody, just, I didn't tell them this, but I saw their angel. It was you. It was Paul, Friday night. We were praying over Paul, and I, I, I'm, I'm not a guy that sees angels everywhere, but Friday night, I saw his angel. He's getting ready to go to Turkey in about two weeks, three weeks. And I saw his angel, and I just went, oh, Paul. Man, if you could see what's going with you, man. That doesn't happen because Paul's a person of great faith. It happens because Paul's a person of great surrender. It's time for a new kingdom. It's time for a new king. This king didn't come to conquer us, to rule us. He was given. He was given. Do you know that God's solution always involves a gift? It always involves a gift. When all was darkness, God goes, let there be light. He gave us light when there was darkness. When, when there was no place to stand, land. He gave us land. When we were just dust, he, he formed Adam out of the dust of the ground. Just picked it up. Just a bunch of dust that came together and was a model. He goes, oh, you need life. He gave us life. But now we've got life. We've got no place to live. Oh, here's a garden. Boom. Gives us Eden to live in. Hey, this is all great, but I'm by myself. Oh, hang on. Go to sleep. Let me take one of those ribs, and I'm going to form a woman for you. So you, you can have companionship. And he gave Eve to Adam. We had no authority. God gave us dominion over the earth. We gave it up. We had no direction. We didn't know how to live, so he gave us the law. This is how you are to live. We were in slavery and God gave us freedom in Egypt. Broke us out. Okay, we're free, but now we don't have any food. Oh, I'll take care of that. I'm going to give you this thing called manna. You're just going to wake up in the morning and there's going to be food laid out for you. Kind of like we had this morning when we arrived. And food was just laid out for us. Manna from heaven made with eggs and pastry I'm just praying for the gluten allergy people in Jesus' name. <laughs> Do you know we've had three people in our church healed of gluten allergies, my daughter included. Healed. Healed. Of celiac. Not just like a little gluten allergy, but celiac. They had no shade, and God goes, okay, I'm going to provide a cloud. It's kind of cold at night. Okay, I'm going to give you a pillar of fire. We're lost. We're homeless. Okay, I'm going to give you your own place. I'm praying that in Jesus' name. I'm going to give you your own place called the promised land. They're leaderless. 
We have our place, but we don't have a leader. Okay, I'll give you a king. King didn't work out so great, and they end up in captivity. So God gives them freedom again, sets them free again, reestablishes them again. God's solution always involves a gift. It always involves a gift. And Jesus is the gift. His kingdom is the gift. The Son is the gift. I know we're going to give presents to each other at Christmas time, but it's not just because it's a nice thing to do. Can I assure you, it's because we have been given the gift. The Son is the gift. The King is the gift. Jesus is the gift. And a gift is not something you earn. It's not something you paid for. It's not something you deserved. My kids are getting presents they don't deserve, okay? I'm probably getting presents they don't deserve. I hope so, because Amazon's getting a little trouble delivering right now. But gifts are not something you deserve. It's something that's given freely. God's solution always involves a gift. And let me tell you how this gift often works. Let me tell you how his kingdom works. The beginning of that scripture in Isaiah 9, God's talking about Nephtali. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Nephtali, Nephtali, Nephtali. The beginning of Isaiah chapter 1. No more gloom for those who are in distress. Although the Lord greatly humbled the regions of Zebulun and Nephtali, he will one day bestow upon them great honor. Do you know why he mentions those two places? Nephtali was the very first place that the Assyrian kingdom took over. When the Assyrians invaded Israel, Nephtali was the first to go. The first to go. And it became the most oppressed. The first. The very first sign that they had that things are not about to go well was when Nephtali went. Guess where Jesus was born? Right in the region of Nephtali. Jesus starts his earthly ministry in the same place that was first taken by the enemy. The same place. Let me tell you what this gift does. This gift just doesn't go, hey, that thing didn't work out for you, so let's go try something new. He goes, that very same thing the enemy stole from you. That's where my kingdom is going to be established. The very thing the enemy struck you with is what you're going to pick up and beat him over the head with it for the rest of your life. So you got struck with cancer, that's the exact place where his kingdom is going to come. It's going to start with your healing, but from there it's going to become more than just your own healing. That there's going to be a gift of healing that I'm going to give to you. The very place the enemy stole is where his kingdom will be established and where his ministry will begin. That's the way the gift works. And it's God's solution is always a gift. It's always a gift. Can I encourage you as we close? 2020 is not a write-off. It's not a write-off. It's not a write-off. Stop saying, I just can't wait for 2021. Our New Year's Eve service is not going to be, let's just thank God this is over, and somehow, miraculously, when we add a different digit onto the year, everything's going to be okay. It's going to be thanking God for what He's done in 2020. We'll look ahead. We'll believe God for more. But Lord, thank You that in this place that was a place of despair, a place of attack, a place of sickness, a place of poverty, there has been joy-filled breakthrough. It's not a write-off. It's a foundation. It's a foundation. It's a foundation. 
doesn't feel like it, but it's the foundation. And you're going to stand on that earthly kingdom and all of its dust. And you're going to say, there's a new king and there's a new kingdom. And the government is on his shoulders. And joy-filled breakthrough has come to me. So therefore, joy-filled breakthrough will come from me. And I'm going to return to the places long devastated. I'm going to renew cities. That's Isaiah 61. They return to the places long devastated. Do you know who returns to those places? The ones that were held captive there. But they get their own freedom and return to the places long devastated. We're going to return to ICU rooms and pronounce blessing and see people healed. We're going to return to businesses that are shells now that have been empty and we're going to proclaim God's blessing over them. We're going to return to the places of our own sickness and poverty and marriage challenges and we're going to declare God's blessing for generations to come. There's a new king and there's a new kingdom. Can I pray for you? Thank you, Jesus. King Jesus. King Jesus. I'm actually going to invite you this morning that if you have not yet made him your king, all it takes is to receive the gift that's already been given to you. It's been bought, paid for, wrapped up, and put under your tree. And it's Jesus. Sometimes the gift doesn't look like what we want it to look like. The all-conquering, almighty king. It just looks like a humble lamb that was slain. But if you'll receive him as your king, you'll find that the lamb is a lion. (laughs) Jesus, I welcome you into this heart. If that's the prayer of your heart, then I invite you to just join me. Jesus, I surrender who I am. And I surrender all of me to you. I make you my king. You're already a king but I make you my king. And I surrender my heart to your kingship. Rule and reign in this place that you will guide me and direct me. I believe that you are the Son of God. And I believe that you can save me from my sins. And I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. I receive your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 (laughs) you know one of the great things about this gift you ever heard that expression the gift that keeps on giving I was given a dish not a dishwasher a washing machine one year and boy that's like the best gift I ever got because when you have three kids two years apart man they make some laundry that was the gift that kept on giving but Jesus is not just the one time gift But the Bible says in Romans that when we continually fall short, 
He continually gives. The more we mess up, the greater His grace gets if we live with the surrender in our hearts. So it means that grace that you received just now, He will keep on giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. I didn't even talk about the Holy Spirit yet. That's going to have to be another message. But boy, does He keep giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.